Amen. Wow, awesome. Please be seated. That was great. Love you guys. I think I know now why I like Luke so much. There's one, one of those songs you reminded me of Peter Garrett from Midnight Oil. I thought, oh, here we go. But, um, bless you. It's awesome. Great to have you here. If you're visiting, my name's Steve Hall, Pastor Steve Hall here at the Katamunda Church, and we glad you're here. Hey, tonight, carols by candlelight. I know they're going to mention it later on, but we should pray for carols right now. Carols by candlelight is something as a church we've been involved in just about from the start, I think, um, and uh, this is its 50th year anniversary. Um, and I know that the program tonight is going to be reflecting Jesus in our community. So why don't we pray for, for our carols? Let's, uh, let's just do that before we go any further. Um, let's just do that right now. Father God, we want to lift up to you the program tonight at Stirk Park. That uh, as, as your name is promoted, as your name is spoken out, you said, if my name, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. And tonight, may your name be lifted up. And this community know that Jesus Christ wasn't just born 2,000 years ago, but is alive today. And we give you glory and praise. Move by your spirit over that park and for, from all those involved, from the singers to the videos to whatever happens tonight, Lord, would your name be lifted up and exalted. Amen. Amen. Well, well, first of all, can I just say, uh, pretty excited about the announcement of that Tim gave. That's really cool. Um, as you know, Dave uh, Meddling, Dave Meddling, <laughs> Dave Ryder is a good friend of mine, and I know that the church is a is obviously a very special part of Mark and I's life over the years. So to have them partnership with you is a God gift. And, um, and I thank our elders for pursuing that and doing that. We, we're pretty excited because I think that um, you will continue on in the vision and the direction of being a church that is focused on transformed lives and transformed communities. Um, so that's, that's great. Continue to pray for our eldership and our management committee as they work through that. Support them. Encourage them. They've worked hard. They're... they're They've done a lot in the last few weeks, and they've got a lot more to do. So the church is going to be going to go great when we all work together and when we all support each other. So let's make sure we do that at this time. And uh, so well done, eldership and the leadership who have negotiated all that for the sake of the church here. Um, job well done. Um, it's pretty exciting. Hey, how about I pray? And we're going to go into this. We're going to go into this interesting. Service message. It's not that really. Anyway, let's pray. Father God, you are awesome and you are a good, good God. And you will never, never, ever let us down. Fathers in the past might let us down, friends might let us down, but you are one who will never, ever, ever let us down. And uh, God, you have a plan for all of us and we give you glory and praise. And Father, as we consider today, the hidden message of Christmas, would you bring it alive in our heart and in our spirit, I pray, in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, here we go. Scripture reading. Are we ready, everybody? Let's get that scripture up on the screen because I'm going to need it. Here we go. I'm going to look at Luke. Chapter 2, verse 
Eight. Oops, hang on. Don't go away. It's okay. I'm back. Right, here we go. Luke 2, verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Cool, that's it, clever. I stuffed up once, but that's not too bad. Thanks, Ash, my saviour. Awesome. So the story that we've been looking at is what we call the hidden messages or the hidden message of Christmas. A few weeks ago, Mark and I, um, we, we got this idea that we would like to walk the Biberman track. Has anyone walked the whole Biberman track? Yep, you have. The whole lot. You good. Anyone else? No, good. Well, uh, we, 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 we started, right? And we've done, about, about, we done a little bit, not far. And we decided one day that we would go and do the part from Mount Dale all the way through to Brockton. And there's a little campsite there. So we had planned it all out. We looked at the map. We did our, our preparation, which wasn't a lot. And then we got our little camel packs. We'd arranged for my son Corey to pick us up in the bush somewhere. And uh, off we went. We started walking. Now, if you're walking the Bibman track, it's good to know what the signs look like, right? That is, these little signs that are, you've seen them. I'm sure you have if you've been out in the bush. Um, little triangular yellow signs with a fish. Is it, what, what is it? Snake. A little snake. Or woggle. Yep, right. See, he's done it. So, and it's stuck, they're stuck on trees, right? They're bright, they're yellow, you can't miss them, right? Right, so we're walking along and I see one, awesome. We see two, great. See three, awesome, we're doing well. And then we kept walking. We walked for about an hour and realised that we hadn't seen any for a while. So at this stage, I thought it was a good idea just to mention it to Maggie. I said, Maggie, have you seen any of those signs? And she said, well, no. 
you're looking for them. And I said, yeah, okay. So I'm, I don't think I've seen any for a while. So we got our map out, as you do. And we're looking at, that's, that's a paper map, right? They used to have them on paper. Yep. So, and on this map, and, and we're looking for the pathways and we're trying to work it out. I reckon, I reckon if we cut across there, we should get back on the track. Is anyone getting worried? Right. So, but we did have this discussion for some time and decided that the best thing to do would be to walk back until we find a sign again. So we did. We thought that was safer. So we walked back and about 45 minutes later, we found the sign. So I'm walking along saying, Margaret, we've got to keep looking backwards. We've got to keep looking backwards because the signs are on this side of the tree. And we walked all the way back, just about where we started. And said, Marg, there's the sign. I found it. It was on a tree. It was bright. It was new. It was there. And then I looked to the right. There's another tree. It's got two signs pointing that way. Above each other. Then I looked a little bit to the left, and there was there were four signs. We missed every one of them. But there wasn't just four signs. There was even on the pathway, someone had put a big arrow with sticks and rocks around it, and we walked over it. We missed the most obvious signs you could see that told you to turn left. And we just kept on walking the straight and wide road. It's quite biblical, really. Sometimes we can get in life, especially in our walk of faith, whatever that might be for you. And we walk and we walk and we walk and we go, I haven't seen any signs. I haven't, maybe I haven't felt that presence that I felt when I first started my relationship with God. Or maybe, you know, something's missing in my life. And so when we come to worship, it's not there anymore. And we might, we might suggest that it's to do with the songs or something else, but really there's just not that fire deep down in my soul anymore. The sign has gone down. And we keep on walking and we keep on walking. And maybe there's a time where we need to stop and go back to that first, that last time we had that presence. Maybe we've got to go back to the last time when we, we remember that, that Christ or that God event in my life that just buzzed again. That's why we use testimony is a powerful thing because it takes us back to that time where we remember again that, yes, God is in this world. God is in my life. We sometimes can miss it because we're so busy with trying to move forward, we actually miss that sign. Something's missing. You see, in the Jewish culture, they actually had something for this. In the Jewish culture, they had festivals all through the year. They didn't just have one at Easter um, or, or one which was the Passover or one later on in the year, which was called the Feast of Dedication, which was similar to what we do as Christmas. But they had lots of others. They had the Feast of Trumpets. They had the Feast of Tabernacles. They had all these feasts and parties, if you like, celebrations that took them back to the sign that God was actually there. They needed to do that because for 400 years, they hadn't heard anything from God. And so they needed something to remind them that he actually does and he is 
the provider. He is there to walk alongside you. He has been there that's directed you over the Red Sea. He is the Passover lamb. They needed reminders. That's why we do communion. Thanks, Dave. That was awesome. That's why we do communion every week. It's a reminder. It takes us back to the sign. And Christmas should be another sign. It's the hidden message. It's the sign that should actually stir up something inside us. And so over the last few weeks, we've been looking at that. And the the shepherds were given a sign. You may remember it says that... uh, The angels came, as we just read, and they revealed that God was here on earth. Woohoo! And it said, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and and there was the baby lying in the manger. Last week I talked about there were three signs that made them really excited. For a Jewish person, they understood what they went and found in Bethlehem. They understood that they found the person It had to be the king because he was in Bethlehem, the place of David, the line of David. So they've discovered the person. But today I want to suggest to you that they they, they discovered the provision. That God, who came to earth through the Son, Jesus, to give to this world. The provision. Now, if you go to this... uh, most of our stories, we usually have pictures of the manger that looks something like that, which is a very good Western approach of what a manger may have looked like. And we use it all the time. If you saw that, you would straight away think of Christmas. But it wasn't like that. In fact, it would have been very, very different. That's a very Western look at what the manger may have been. Because there's lots of signs back there in that day of Bethlehem that we miss. See, the first one is this. There's a very good chance, a guy by the name of, um, who did some research on this, um, and I will find it, his name is Joe Amara, Amarala, who wrote a book called Discovering Jesus, or it was actually Understanding Jesus, and looks at the cultural background of what actually happened during Jesus' lifetime. And one of the things he said is as you look at the time Jesus was born, he was born around about the time where they had the Feast of Tabernacles. That's kind of interesting that Jesus turns up around the time of Tabernacles. Let me tell you why this was so significant. You see, the manger was not like that. It was possibly more like a shelter. In fact, if you go to Genesis 33, 17, it says that Jacob, he goes to Succoth, where he goes there, and what he does is he builds his house and he builds a shelter for the animals, for the livestock. It was a shelter, which we've called the manger. It was like possibly, and there's lots of different interpretations of this, and there's different, different people looking at different things, but it was possibly more like a cut out in a rock or maybe even look a bit like a cave or possibly even a tomb and there would have been the food for the animals and the animals would come in and collect the food. Jesus was laying possibly in what we would call a shelter. The tabernacle or the Feast of Tabernacles, which was also called the Feast of Sukkoth, which was also the concept of 
the Feast of Booths, which was also called that, which was a reminder of the tabernacle or the tent or the covering of God when he brought the people out of Egypt and he gave them covering. You see, here's something really special. Those Jewish shepherds, they knew that. And there they go into Bethlehem and they see the king, Jesus, the one that's been shouted out from heaven to them, laying in a tabernacle, a tent, a shelter, a manger. You see, Jesus didn't just, it wasn't just a wow, that's the sign because it's, it's like here is the king who's come who is your provider. He is the one that's come to supply. He is the one that's come to give to this world. The signs and the symbolism of that for those Jewish shepherds would have been absolutely magnificent. No wonder they got excited. They didn't just go to a hospital to see a new baby born. They went and found the promise of God they'd been waiting for for 400 years. Here it was. And what was the sign? Let me tell you, I want to take you to the manger today. I want to take you personally to that manger. Imagine walking and here is the manger that says to you that Jesus, who has come into this world, who actually says in one in John, who my favourite book, as you know, this year, and he says that he came and dwelt among us. The same word is tabernacle. He tabernacled with us. He came and lived with us. This Jesus, God in flesh, has come to earth just like he did to, to provide for those people um, coming out of Egypt. He's come for you and for I. It's magnificent. You see, Jesus actually stands up in a synagogue at one stage and he prophesies and he says, the um, Spirit of the Lord is upon me. What for? Heal the brokenhearted, set the captives free, to heal the sick, to give a sight to the blind. Jesus has come to give that to the world. Jesus has come to provide and to give. Today, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're feeling captive, captives by fear, captive by anxiety, captive by circumstance, captive by sickness. Jesus has come to set the captives free. That's at the manger. That's the, that's the tent. That's, that's the shelter. That's Jesus. Today, today, he's come to set the captives free. Today, he's come to bring healing. Healing. Today, he's come to bring salvation. Today, he's come to bring you joy. Where maybe someone might have stolen it. Today, he's come to bring you love. You see, he is the provider. And he's come for you and for me. I don't know where you're at right now, but I've got a feeling that the Spirit of God is crying out to you saying, I'm here for you. I'm here to walk with you. I'm here to walk alongside you. I'm here to, to come and live with you. I've come to abide with you. I am here for you. In that manger, he came to give to this world what you and I desperately need. And today I want to ask you a question. There's a sign and you're walking 
Come back to that sign because he's there for you. He's waiting for us to call upon him. He's waiting for us to come back to the manger. He wants us to see him as the provider. Jesus said this in Matthew. He said, do not worry about what you're going to eat. Do not worry about this. Do not worry about that. Look at the birds. Look at the trees. Look at the flowers, how I provide for them. He said, how much more I will provide for you if you would what? Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first. Go to the manger. Go and seek the king, the person. Seek the king. And he'll look after those things. Today, maybe you've been running hard. My cry out for you today and for me is come and sit in the presence of God. And know again, he is your provider. He is the one that's come. He knows your pain. He knows your sorrow. He knows your grief. He knows your concerns. He knows your fears. And he calls us to come to the provider. But I want to take you a bit further because, see, it goes beyond that. Jesus says in John 5, 19, something that wrecks this whole concept. He says this, John 5, 19. So Jesus explains, I tell you the truth. In other words, I need you to listen to this. This is something you cannot, truth was a powerful thing. And it's like, this isn't just an idea. This is the facts. I need your attention, everybody. Here is the truth. The son can do nothing. The son can do nothing. Hang on, hang on. He's my provider. But you're saying to me that he can do nothing? It says he can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to everyone who wants it. You know, over and over again in the Gospels, Jesus keeps saying, I say this stuff, but you're not hearing it. I'm doing this stuff, but you're not seeing it. Your ears are clogged up and your eyes are blind. But the truth is, he wants to open our eyes. He wants to open our ears because he wants us to see what the Father is doing and to hear what the Father is saying. I love that concept. You imagine this. This is Jesus, right? One with God is God in the flesh. Word become flesh. He says, I do nothing without him, but I do what I see the Father doing. In other words, I can see what he's going to do before he actually does it because it hasn't happened yet because I'm going to do it, right? So in other words, he knows what the face, he is so close to the Father, he knows what the Father's going to do. So he says, I'm only, gonna, I'm only doing what I, I know he's going to do. I only do the things I see him doing. But then he goes on further, and this is, where, this is our challenge today. In John 15, it says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you, appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for 
using my name. Here's the turnaround. Jesus is your provider. He is the shelter. He's come to give, but he didn't come to give you just so you have a good life. He's come because his plan, his purpose is that you would go out and do the same thing. You are the vessel of his provision to this world. You are not supposed to just soak up his love. You're not just supposed to soak up his glory. You're not just supposed to soak up his provision. You're supposed to get it so you can give it. And that's, that's what we're called to do. God wants us to see and hear what he's doing. And like Jesus, we should be having eyes to see what he's doing. To step out and, and do the very things he's doing. I want to show you a little video clip. And some of you who have been doing the Life Series will be familiar with these little clips that we've been using for our discussion. But this particular one really touches my heart. Um, are we ready for that beauty, mate? Just put this up to have a look at this. I would encourage you to talk in a language that people can understand. So to use things that, that prompt the question, why are you doing that? Something that I love to do is to set up a free fruit stall. And I label the fruit with the fruit of the Spirit. So I have nine bits of fruit. And, and it's a lavish fruit stall. And I just put up a sign that says free fruit. And people come along and they say, why, why have you labelled it with all that stuff? And I say, well, this is what you can get from God. And they well, I can get self-control. I can get love and joy and peace. And so the conversations start just through a very visual, visual aid. People don't know what they can get from God. Their understanding of God is that he's, he's disengaged. He's not interested in their lives. Um, that somehow he's angry with people and they don't know that God is good that God is love that he's like the best dad you could ever imagine uh, so to show in a visual way what people can get from God is something that I love to do um, one lady came along to the fruit store and she said excuse me can I have that apple I said yeah of course you can she said great I really need peace and we had a conversation of how she needed peace and how I believed as a Christian, she could receive that peace. On Sunday morning, I was uh, in a pub in the city centre of Peterborough. Now, if you want an epitome of hopelessness, uh, venture into your local Weatherspoons on a Sunday morning. And by the time you've had a coffee or an orange juice, people around you would have downed three or four pints. Uh, it's a place where people are desperate for hope desperate for what we've got uh, so I use language through music so people will hear music there will maybe some words they may not but people encounter something of God through the music now on Sunday morning a lady gave me a big hug to thank me for the music and then she said do you do healing I said what do you mean she said well I'm in all these aches and pains. And she showed me where she was in great pain. She said, could, could you pray for healing? I said, yeah, I'd love to. And before I could do anything else, she had bowed her head and closed her eyes and put her hands together in the middle of a pub. Busy, busy pub. And I said, can I lay hands on you 
for healing and I called one of the, the team over to work who was working with me and we laid hands on this lady in the middle of the pub and asked for healing in the name of Jesus. And this lady afterwards, she opened her eyes, she said, wow, I've, I've got peace. I said, what, what else happened as we were praying for you? She said, it, it's extraordinary. I just had this warmth all over me, she said. What, what was that? So we're able to talk about the living God uh, who is here through his spirit, who loves us, who, who's given his very best for us. He's given Jesus for this world. Uh, she had no idea of the message of Jesus, but had encountered something of Jesus through just praying. So we need to allow people to experience what we've got, not just talk about it. Where language just won't cut it, people won't understand it, they won't get it. We can let people experience something of what it means to be a Christian, either through praying for people, um, through creating thin places. The places between heaven and earth can be thin through our love for Jesus in a particular place, going to places where you wouldn't expect the church to be. Amongst people that, in all honesty, many have said they're beyond the pale. They are beyond the pale of church. Just to be amongst people that God loves and loves. Um, I find people will experience him. Uh, and if we're expectant for God to do what God does, to love people, to turn up, to, to show his compassion through us, then that happens. Good video. I'm glad you enjoyed it because it was the wrong one. But... I know, it's my fault, my fault. I put the wrong one up. But, but I love that. I want, to, I want to grab that man. I want to sit down and yarn with him because I love his story. But the second story that he tells is just the wrong one, I, which is just as which better. But that tells you everything. That was actually a better one than I had because really that's what it is, isn't it? Isn't it a beautiful concept that we, we, somehow we turned our idea of church around and we've looked at churches where I come and grow. But it's not. It's not. Church is where you go out and you take what you know and what you have to a world that isn't going to get it. That's what we're about. I love this the video that I had of this man, which really touches my heart. He's actually sort of like a street chaplain, a community chaplain in uh, that place in England. That's the one, yep. So, um, and, but what he says is, he says, one of the things I do is I look for houses or places of peace. And so he says, I walk down to one particular place I go every week. My place of peace is a tattoo parlour. He goes, you, I don't think it's a place of peace at all. It sounds horrible. Um, but he goes to a tattoo parlour and he says, I go there because I get a cup of tea and I sit in the waiting room and I talk to people. He said, one day I was there and the guy who's a tattoo artist came to him and he says, would you do me a favour? And he says, well, yeah, sure, of which he regretted later. And he says, what would you like me to do? He said, I'd like you to tattoo me. He said, what? I haven't tattooed anybody in my life. I wouldn't know what to do. He said, would you tattoo me? He said, what would you like me to tattoo on you? He said, you come in here 
and you bring hope. I'd like you to tattoo a symbol of hope on me. I wish you'd seen this video because the way he tells it is so much better. But he says, so what's a symbol of hope for you? He said, a cross. He looked at this man, and this man is covered from head to toe. There's no space on his body for a tattoo, right? It's just covered. It's like a walking Michelangelo painting. It's like crazy. And he says, there's only one spot that was free. It was on his ankle. So he, 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 he sits down, he sits down, and he picks up, he says, I've never done tattooing before. He says, don't worry, I'll help you. So he sits down and he lifts this man's foot up. He said, it was dirty. He said, but I started to do the worst, bloodiest tattoo you have ever seen on this man's ankle. He said, as I was doing it, he said, the presence of God was so full in that room. He said, I felt like Jesus, who was taking the feet and washing them. And here I had the foot of a man who wanted hope and peace. And I'm digging the bloodiest tattoo that looked terrible on his ankle. You see, I love that story. Because you and I, please... I hope you understand what you have. You say, I want more of you, Lord. And he's going, I'll give you more if you give out more. You see, we can't be like the Dead Sea. There's only got one inlet. We've got to have the outlet. We've got to, if we don't have the inlet, we're just going to become bitter and twisted and narky at each other because we just feel, 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 feel. We've got to have outlets because you've been given to give. You've been given so that you would give out. And I love that story of that man because he understands what it means that we would be people of hope and people of love. Would you see what God is doing and jump into it? Would you see? See, he saw what God was going to do before God did it. Why? Because he's one with God. You say, what do I have to do? Just look. If you look and think, what would Jesus do? Then you're probably halfway there already because you'll see what he would do and you would be part of it. And then you see miracles happen. Would you do that? The other thing is that Jesus then comes along and he says, I only say what I hear the Father saying. Ah, we need to learn to listen. I was, um, this week I was uh, doing some reading and, and listening to podcasts and stuff on some leadership. And one of the concepts of leadership, a, uh, a researcher in leadership was saying that one of the things that makes leaders most, um, sorry, the famous leaders who have, or businesses who have been most successful are those who have learned an early morning routine. And it usually starts off with some sort of fitness routine. And then it starts off with making sure that they have space to have breakfast, which is probably why I'm not a very good leader. Um, but, and then the third thing you do is they make sure they have, and this isn't church, this isn't Christian people, they make sure they have space to quieten their minds. We need to learn to be a, take our minds and allow them to be quiet. There are lots of voices. There are lots of stuff that's going on. There's lots of fear things that are going on. There's lots of 
conversations happening up there and we need to learn to quieten our minds so we can hear what the Father is saying. Because if we could hear what the Father is saying, we would have a message for those that need to hear it. I want to encourage you today as we, guys, come up, as we come into Christmas, as we hear the stories of Christmas, there's a message there for you and for me. And the message is this, Jesus has come to give. He's come to give healing. He's come to give release. He's come to give salvation. Jesus didn't just be born in a box. He actually was born in a manger, probably in a cave of which he ended up his life in a cave. But Jesus came to earth to give to you and I so that we would be bold enough to give to others. Yesterday, Mark and I went and visited our neighbour, Eloise, who many of you have been praying for. Um, and it's been on our prayer chain. I know many of you are connected to her. And we were so excited. And I love the words of her mother. Eloise, a little while ago, had a bike accident and they were going to turn the machine off. They thought she was going to die. Um, and uh, there'd been the whole church in, in, in Kalamunda at least I know I keep hearing from all sorts of denominations have been praying for her and loving on them and bringing Jesus to them and as I walked in the house her mum said this is our miracle girl and she's walking around and she gave us a hug and here's a girl that the church prayed for right across this this community you know this might I just want to leave my heart with you guys today and say church is not about just coming and getting church is about being so generous that we want to give what we know of Jesus we could pray for someone we could care for someone we can love on somebody we can bring hope to somebody we can bring peace to somebody and there's people in here you need that and I'm going to say come to Jesus and get it why so that you can give it you can give it. That's what it's called us as a church to do. Our lives would be transformed and that we would transform communities. That's what it's about. That's the vision. We're going to come into this last song. And as we do, I'm going to invite you because I'd love to pray for you. I'm going to invite you. If you're saying, you know, I, I actually want to come back to the manger, to the provider. I want to come back and receive. Maybe you've got, you're worried about stuff at the moment. Maybe you're struggling with sickness. Maybe there's stuff that's just bringing you down and you've lost the peace and the joy and the, the love and that burning. You've walked up the track and you need to come back. Come down the front. I'd love to pray with you. Pray together with you.